Hi, I'm Christine Grossart and I'm here on the Big Scuba podcast with Gemma and Ian. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Big Scuba podcast. My name's Ian. And my name is Gemma. We are back at episode 40, Gemma. And uh, just before we start, let me tell you, life begins at 40 apparently. So what's it like? <laughs> Not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. <laughs> me? No, no, I'm, I'm like Peter Pan. I'm just stuck at 26, me. For, forever young. That's, that's what I tell story. Anyway, I know. I know. So, um, what have we got coming up? We This is uh, part two of Christine Grosshart and uh, carrying on from where we left things off. We are going to be moving on to talk about um, a bit of cave diving and also uh, ghost fishing. Yeah, we round things off. But but before we jump into that, let's just have a little chat about um, some of the people who also help make this thing possible. First up, let's just tell you that if you are looking for a dive camera, if you are thinking about, oh, you know, I really must, you know, think about new next dive and next year out once we're out of lockdown. What you're going to buy, let me tell you about the Paralens. Have a look. Um, at the end of this, there'll be a link. Click on that link. Have a look. There's a um, Paralens cameras. There's a new one out called the Fiquita. We use, at the moment, the first original uh, Paralens camera. It's yeah. 4K. And it's brilliant. It's well-made, you know, you know, it, it works and it works a treat. And we use it above the water, below the water. You know, just today, Jen, we had somebody message us and say, hey, you know, the Paralens, you know, they're just a diver computer. And yeah, I have to say, they're not. they're not. They're not. There is more to them. You know, yeah. you can use them below the water and above. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And there's no casing needed. It's just, it is what it is. It's got all the you know, whiz-bang stuff on the outside, and you just, yeah. it's really easy. And there's much better divers than me out there who've used them, and they've took them down to some awesome depths. You know, don't take my word for it. Click on the link, what's on the uh, details. Go to the Paralens website, have a look. There's lots, lots of bits and pieces on there about it. And also, Jen, they've got a great app. They well. have, yeah, yeah. So it's all about um, citizen science, diving, recording your dives, and any marine life you see as well. So, all right. So there's the Paralens, Paralens Fiquita. Okay. Yep. Look them up. Uh, follow the link. It's on the show notes, and go there, have a look, and yeah, invest for next year in a new camera, new yeah, Wizzy camera. Definitely That's worth buying. So talking about Wizzy things, Jem. Uh, let me just tell you also, we have a deal with DJI. Uh, as partners with DJI, we can offer our listeners uh, some discount if they're looking for a new drone or if they're thinking about upgrading, you know. Um, you know, go go to our show notes. There's a link in there for a couple, couple options. Uh, and I think we'll be adding to that as time go on. But go on there, have a look. Uh, go to the, use our links, go to the website, and uh, yeah, there's a couple of options there of how you can buy a new drone and save some money. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, just 
to get a discount. We're all, we are, yeah, and we're all, you know, it's different, difficult times, aren't we? You know, and we're for if we're thinking about, you know, uh, upgrading and you know, uh, upgrading our content, then go there. Save some money as well. So uh, it's win-win. And we like a win-win deal, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Everybody wins. And we've also got a new um, affiliate partner, Stream2C. So again, you can get a 10% discount on their products if you order using the code that's in the show. Who are they? Tell us all about who they are. They make um, environmentally friendly um, hand sanitizer, hair conditioner, everything that you'll put on, you know, yourself and that will make its way into our water systems, but it's proven to be totally safe to the environment, coral, fish. So it's, it's the one only product that has been through all the rigorous tests. All right. Sounds like I better order some. So, and, and we get some discount. Yep. 10%. Brilliant. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's really good. So, so where we, have we got to go to for that? Um, the link will be in the show notes and I think we'll post something on social media in the next few days so that people can just click the link. If they go to our Instagram page, the link tree will take them straight there. Yeah. Yep. So we are now a stream to see wave maker. Wave maker. Mm. Really? I've been a wave maker for ages, usually in my wetsuit. <laughs> well, when you jump in. <laughs> I was, more, I was thinking more like gas propulsion, really. Oh, right. <laughs> As you do. Anyway, let's move on swiftly. <laughs> let's not hold that sort of thought for too long. Um, okay, so I think that's enough of us uh, running on about different deals and how, how we can save our listeners money. How about that? Um, yeah. So unless there's anything else we need to mention. Oh, yes, there is. Just hold on before, <laughs> before we jump in. We, if you are... On YouTube, look up our channel. It's called The Big Scuba. And what one thing that does help make all these things possible is by having subscribers. And uh, we need some more, basically. Let's, let's put it out there. We need some more subscribers. So, you know, if, you get, if, you're in the, if you're on YouTube and you've got a spare minute, go on YouTube, subscribe, ring the old bell because that will keep you up to date when there's new content coming out and of course with all our videos there's links in the notes of how you, again you can save money and different deals of what's out there and what's coming so yeah. there we go and if, more yeah. ways to and subscribe and keep following what we're up to yep and we just brought out a new video haven't we about us kayaking and actually using the Paralens camera yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, and, and it is, 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 I can't say enough, it's a really good camera and it works uh, above and below the wall. Mm. Don't just take my word for it. Go and have a look. Try it. <laughs> Try it. That's it. Right. Yes. Let's uh, crack on and uh, let's sit back, relax, grab a drink and let's have a listen to the last part. Part two of Christine Rossard. Let's go. Well, let's change the subject a little bit, um, you know, because I think we got to say congratulations. You've been recently uh, 
brought into the Royal Geographical Society. You know, uh, so well done. Uh, you know, what what does that mean to you? You know, you how does that feel? And um, you know, you presume this be more opportunity to get more involved in photography and take more photos. Um, well, I wasn't really sure. I mean, it was the idea of um, a guy you may have heard of, Paul Rose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's a presenter, massive ocean advocate, one of the most inspiring people I've ever seen. So much energy. Whatever he takes, I want it. You know, if I could be that energetic every day, super lovely guy. Um, he likes chasing polar bears. Yeah. <laughs> naked as well. <laughs> polar bears were running for their lives, I think. <laughs> oh my God, put some clothes on. <laughs> oh, he's just the most fantastic guy and and um he was really interested in the ghost fishing thing and um met rich and i we had a proper sit down i mean trying to pick he's like a bar of soap you can't pin him down you know he's so busy and we're just as bad so you know trying to it took us nearly a year to hook up um and we did and we had a chat and he sort of done a little bit of homework on on myself and my partner rich it's not just the ghost fishing it's cave exploration rich does a lot of wreck stuff and he was like God, you two, you know, your CV, you, you really should be in the RGS. And we were like, oh yeah, whatever, you know. Didn't really, didn't really, you know. Yeah, we've got to go and do something now. And um, yeah, the next minute he was sending us forms. He was like, you, 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 need, to, you need to do this. You know, like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, so we went through the motions on the rest of it. I didn't, I, I didn't understand the significance of it really. I just thought it was a organization. You know, I just thought it was a, another group that I had to pay to be in, you know. and. and <laughs> And then it's just another thing I've been dragged into, you know, and um, and then when I told my friends, they were like, wow, this is wow. I was like, really? They're like, yeah, no, yeah. seriously, wow. I was like, oh, <laughs> OK. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really realise they're like, no, this this is significant. I was like, is it? All right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, after that, I sort of went back and, and thought about it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, that's something I should be proud of. That's, that's something to be proud of. I'm a partner too, you know, God, he's earned it as well. But it, in a way, I was a little bit disappointed that it was to do with the ghost fishing work because, yes, it's been You're a lot of... You're not going to show us your T-shirt? Oh, that's National Geographic. Backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a bit of shopping at Nat Geo. Ah. This is the problem working offshore. We can get Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bit of spare yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> when you're bored, you come home, there's all these parcels. Um, so yeah, so um, that was that was kind of cool, and um, yeah, yeah, and it was. I think it was mainly for the ghost fishing work as well, you know. But but for me, it's it's more significant from the cave diving point of things. You know, we've done so much hard work connection, and it's because it's such a niche thing. It doesn't really get recognised outside your your peer group, really. Um, mm -hmm. So, so to be given a nod like that was, was really nice. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's a great achievement. So, as the podcast, we have a lot of non-divers listening to our podcast as well, and obviously new divers. So, I'm a very new diver myself. But have you got any advice for a non-diver or someone thinking about taking up scuba diving? Yeah, I get asked this this quite a lot. Um, I mean, this is purely my opinion. You know, I'm not a, a scuba diving instructor. I've, I've never taught people to die from scratch apart from one guy um which is quite quite an interesting story i'll tell you about that at some point but um i think i think the main thing is really um ask yourself why you want to scuba dive that's the first thing why do you want to scuba dive and people come out with all sorts of rubbish but really ask yourself why what is it you want to do and it doesn't matter how big it is even if it feels unachievable it doesn't matter how big it is you know when i when i first started to scuba dive i want to be a cave explorer and most most open water instructors will look at you a bit funny and you know um but definitely start there 
if you want to look at the pretty fishes, make sure that and then you want to take, let's say, let's say you want to take photographs of pretty fishes. You want to be an underwater photographer. You want, you want your photographs in Nat Geo. Okay. So make sure you do your homework, do your research and find the training and the instructor that will get you there. Mm. Don't fall into this trap of, of going through pyramid sales or, um, you know, oh, you don't want to do this. You want to do that. You know, all this kind of stuff. Because you'll get bombarded with all sorts of conflicting advice. And I think really you just need to stay true to yourself. Do the thing that, that you want to do and take the courses that you need to do and find the instructors that, you, that suit you to get there. Because, um, you know, if you want to be a, 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 an underwater photographer, go, go and look at who the top underwater photographers are out there. Some of them might be instructors. Go and go and see if they'll teach you. You know, you know, you, you know rather than just going through the, the, the run of the mill, because so many divers go through the run of the mill and they're gone in two years. That's right. They're gone in two yeah, years. They, they haven't achieved their goals because people have done everything they possibly could to steer them away from their goals. It doesn't make sense. You know, if you want to go and dive the Britannic, fine. You know, go and do the training that you need to do that. If you want to dive caves, fine. Do the training you need to do that. Um, and hang out with the people that are doing it. That's, yeah. that's the key as well hang out with the people that are doing it um and i would say as well you know just um the problem when you're learning to scuba dive is you don't know like any sport you don't know what you don't know so you have nothing else to go on but what your instructor says nobody ever says that they had a bad open water instructor because they didn't have another one to compare them to mm -hmm. so i would say you know um go for quality highest quality and quality comes at a price so if you go for cheap there's a reason it's cheap you know go for high quality do your homework um just because an instructor is a nice person doesn't make them a good instructor you know if they put you on your knees throughout your entire course to do your skills not good enough especially if you want to be that photographer or you want to do whatever so right. definitely go for high quality um you know pick an agency that has high level of quality control um you know if ask ask that instructor when they were last assessed for their own skills and ability and if it wasn't within the last year walk away you know yeah. so really go for, for high quality because otherwise you end up down this horrible rabbit hole of cheap courses one after the other after the other after the other and at the end of it you'll have an empty bank account you'll be no closer to your goals yeah. everything you do needs to be getting you towards where you want to be and it doesn't yeah, matter good. what that is yeah it's great advice and yeah a lot of other people have said you've got to be very comfortable with each stage of where you want to be as well you've got to definitely build experience i mean I started, when did I start scuba diving properly? I don't know. I mean, not counting the swimming pool. I mean, I suppose 24, 25. I'm nearly 40 and I've only just started taking macro pictures of animals. Okay. <laughs> so, so you have time. There's yeah. nothing big about being an instructor within a year. All it means is you're not a very good instructor because you haven't got experience. So true. So, so true. So, you know, um, what's the hurry? Yeah. What's the That's hurry? Right. Yeah. You know, just enjoy what you're doing. Just enjoy yeah. what you're doing. You know, there was a lovely lady. Um, I won't say her name because she'll kill me. Um, lovely lady that I met years ago. Um, and I must be getting on for 10 years. I can't believe it. Oh. But she, I didn't know her from Adam. I just shared um, a video from, from a guy who I will mention, a guy called JP Bresser, who's a GUI instructor, but he's also a videographer. And his image are outstanding. I mean, really good. Amazing videography. Very flashy. You know, very, very wow. And he'd done this great little film of, of Egypt, you know, all the fish and all the wrecks and all that. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I just shared it on my Facebook page and she had a mutual friend and she saw it and she's like, I want to do that. I want to go there. And I want to do that. I was like, what? Photography, diving? Well, who are you? Like, <laughs> you know, anyway, we got chatting and everything and she just joined a, a local club. She was having a bit of a time of it. It was a very old school club. Um, hadn't really moved on, <laughs> shall we say. And she was having a horrific, you know, absolutely scared out of her wits every time she went in the water. They didn't really know what they were doing. And she was having a um, so we kind of rescued her 
um, took her under our wing. Um, and to cut a long story short, this lady has been to Egypt with her camera taking gobsmacking pictures. She's still in a single 15, not even that, single 12. Um, she's got no desire to go down the twin set route. No, she's no need. There is no need for her to, she is doing everything that she dreamed of right now. Good girl. Uh, she's had her pictures published. I mean, it's just, and I just watch her. I'm just so envious. <laughs> I <laughs> wish you helped her. You told me that. Take me to Egypt. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see that that happening. You know, you, you don't have to, to go down that, that rabbit hole of, of, of buying more kit. You know, more kit doesn't doesn't fix your diving. No. Um, going diving and achieving your goals is what fixes your diving. Um, yeah, that, that was a great story. You know, she's having a great time. Great to hear. Yeah. It is good advice that. So, um how do you find being a female in quite a male-dominated world of sport, of, um, of scuba diving, and then, uh, you know, own, owning your own business too? Um, they're kind of two separate things. I mean, for, um, running my caving business is, is, is no, no dramas at all, being a woman. There's not many female instructors, but there's not many caving instructors either yeah. in the UK. So um, we are a bit underrepresented, but um, there are some phenomenally, extremely capable um, female cavers out there i mean really hardcore women cavers out there and there's quite a lot of them so it's it's uh, and they're better than me so it's um so setting up my business as a caving instructor no dramas at all, no dramas at all nothing um never had an issue i think maybe some people book me because i am female sometimes mm. right you know if, if that makes them feel better um but no generally they they come to me because I'm a cave diver and they 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 see what I do and, and they oh, I take pictures I take pictures I love that so so not a great drama um male dominated sport you know I just kind of I don't know it, it's kind of followed me around like a bad smell all my life because horse racing again you know even though fifty percent of the the workforce in in racing stables is female that is not reflected on the race course no it's not and when you learn to ride that's the opposite way around isn't it I'm, like when I when I learn you know it's like one of yeah, you, you, <laughs> that one, you were that one lad. I went to buy some uh, choppers, right? Yeah. Walked in and they had this massive wall full of sizes, colours, you name it, right? And I said, uh, where's the blokes then? And she said, <laughs> oh, them. <laughs> right at the end. And I literally had to walk along this wall, which was about, I don't know, say 20 metres long, which was stacked like three or four in height all the way along and there's literally six pairs at the end and i was like is that it that's my that's my job and trying to find boots that fit no chance i mean that's hilarious because i i am um, i've been following a, i think a women offshore which is a bit bit girly for me but um but one girl posted up a picture of herself only yesterday trying to find some some ppe so trying to find a boiler suit and some boots and everything that fitted her and she and she looked like dopey out of some dwarves it was all, <laughs> all hanging off the end of her and she's having to roll it over all the rest of it she's like well somebody please and she's about three foot high you know she's like, well somebody please just get me some ppe that fits so it, it happens the other way around as well trust me but yeah uh, nobody really thinks you no. know they see girls week in week out at the stables why would they buy stuff for a lad and it's the same offshore you know, if, if you've only got one woman on the vessel, why would you buy all these sizes to fit smaller women? It's fun. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. So that woman just struggles. And, um, you know, so I think, yeah, I mean, working in racing, especially, you know, I I don't I still maintain even now. I I I don't think that the reason I didn't quite make it to the Grand National is because I'm female. Um, I was definitely around at the slightly wrong time, but there are plenty of women riders doing a good job. Um, I think it was main, I just wasn't good enough. Yeah. I just wasn't good enough. And at the time, you know, I did ride in races. I didn't fall off, but I didn't win anything and I wasn't good enough to win. 
and I realized once I started riding that um, this is hard winning is really hard I'm not prepared to break my back and smash my teeth out in order to win um there are plenty plenty out there that are so yeah I just I just wasn't wasn't good enough I I didn't have the best start you know I didn't come from a horsey family at all you know and you when you look around the, the racetrack you know the girls that are riding in racing backgrounds do have a huge advantage as do a lot of the guys to be fair it's a family orientated business racing mm. so I yeah. think to get where I got with what I had to start with I think I did pretty well yeah <laughs> but, absolutely um but yeah like you say you know um yeah I think there was there's always this element it's not the trainers that want women out there it's not that they're not capable it's quite often the owner it's their money mm-hmm. yeah. you've got a choice between a good girl and a good lad they're going to hedge their bets why would they take girl and that's that's pretty much you know it's starting to change with people like Hayley Turner you've got Holly Doyle at the moment doing amazing things Bryony Frost who's awesome I love that woman um you know and um the lassie over in Ireland his name escapes me at the moment Rachel what's her name it'll come up in a minute but um they are just killing it they're absolutely they're making a proper living out of it so maybe i was around at the wrong time but at no point could i really blame being a woman for anything and i think when it comes to cave diving it's much the same either you can or you can't yes you haven't um i've never had anybody mention the fact that i'm that i'm female um so maybe in passing you know um i might have done a trip and and the guy who trained me is lovely 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 old guy he taught me to cave dive from the outset, you know, gave up all his free time to teach me things I am for, for my training. He sort of said to me, I'm pretty sure you're the first woman to go here, you know. And then after he said it about six times in six different caves, he's like, oh, well, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and he was lovely. And um, yeah, so it, it's, it's kind of by the by. I, I don't know how many places I've been where I've been the first woman there. It doesn't really interest me. What I'm interested in is being the first person to go somewhere. That's, that's, yeah, that's got to be awesome. And that's the exploration side, isn't it? That's, just, yeah. side. That, that's what's really important to me. And I've, I've done it a few times now and it's like a drug, you know, because I thought, oh, once I found a bit of my own cave, I'll be happy. Oh, no. <laughs> it grows arms and legs, that one. I tell you, that's a true fact, though, because, um, you know, I, I don't know if we, you're aware, but we've had on previously Jill Heineth mm-hmm. and she's talked about cave diving. She's talked about diving in the icebergs, mm-hmm. you know, and it's amazing amazing what she's achieved and what she's done uh we spoke to christina sonato you know um and she's got the caves there in bahamas and finding new caves new new passages and the whole time um mapping it and finding new parts and you think you know after all these years you know still getting excited about what's around that next corner and it's almost like walking on that first piece of snow where there's no footprints and i i got to, although I'm, I'm you know i'm not a cave diver but it's i can totally understand that you know what that must be like and as you know it's, it's brilliant and lovely to hear from you that you you know that that still set you alive you know, the, the you find that still amazing it's got to be brilliant. It's just it's just pure greed. Once you've once you've had that experience, you just want more. It's yeah. It's yeah. just totally it's just the best feeling in the world. And as and as soon as you, you you've done that, you want to go and do it again and go somewhere else. And oh and it just it just it just grows arms and legs. And in my whole life at the moment, apart from the ghost fishing thing, which is just a just a distraction really, my whole life is geared up towards that that next expedition, you know. Mm. Um I was in the garage today putting my, my rebreather back together because it gets put to bed and I go offshore. Um put my rebreather back together because I thought, right, I'm going to get my stepper out and do, you know, do, do your little steps to your gym session, but with my rebreather on my back, because that's the only way you, you, you can imitate 
caving wearing your breather, which is why it's like this at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, my neighbours are equally mad. They just they just wave and there's nothing wrong with being a bit mad. <laughs> oh yeah. no, I was trying to I was then thinking, are you doing this at the gym? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my rebreather to the gym. No, I've just got a little stepper thing outside, and I've got steps to a garage, and I'll just put the rebreather on just to add a bit of weight because that oh is the thing I have to carry through the cave. And and this year, having not been on expedition, you know, I think we're all a little bit out of shape. So what does it weigh? Oh, I don't you know. know. 20, 30 kilos, maybe. So it's a fair bit putting it back and yeah. then do stepping with. Yeah, consistently. Yeah. It's worse. With, it's even worse when you go caving. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, so I, I go. We go to uh, CrossFit quite regularly, and um, if they're listening, hello guys, hello. Um, there's a few of the guys, well, and ladies, who actually they put the vests on, and they're ten kilograms or seven kilos, and they'll do a workout, and you're doing a step machine with a machine on your back, which is weighing best part of thirty k. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to weigh it actually and find out how much it weighs. I mean, that's another reason as well that a kiss is relatively small. Mm. Uh, you know, small lightweight but it'll give me a runtime of well in excess of four hours if you're careful so um you know that's another reason why I, why I got it again you know it's like what do I need this rebreather for okay well I'm gonna have to carry it through a cave for an hour I've got to go crawling with it I've got to go climbing with it um it needs to be in one piece at the end so so pick the one that's least, least with your dry suit on as well no I carry that in in a wetsuit so we carry all the gear in 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 wetsuits first on this particular trip um so carry everything to the sump first and we come out um no caving in a dry suit really sucks it's it's not good they're not designed for for caving and of course you can't put a hole in them no. um you know the water on this trip is seven degrees so you really don't want to flood it so we carry all the gear in first in wetsuits um in the team come back out sort out a dive plan and then i'll cave in completely empty-handed the next day I might just take my fins through um yeah because I don't want to be falling over and tearing. No. Your, your mobility is restricted. You get hot because you've got a great big thick undersuit underneath because when you get in the water, it's freezing. So um, yeah, caving in a dry suit really sucks. Um, so I try not to carry anything valuable or heavy. So you do, what, do what? How, how thick is your wetsuit? Uh, so we use a seven mil, seven mil semi-dry. As many layers as you can get on, basically. Yeah. Um, but they handle caves much better yeah but it just shows you what you've done what you've basically done is highlighted the requirement of good fitness for diving and, and cave particularly cave diving you know because that is a uh, that's a lot of weight to carry and, and get yourself through and you know uh just shows you the importance of you know of, of keeping a reasonable level of fitness up yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not in great shape right now, and I'm kind of disappointed with myself. I'm I'm not in in the best shape I've, I've ever been in my life. Certainly, working in horse racing, you know, I was burning six thousand calories a day, you know, easily, easily. You know, riding four or five horses a day, mucking out six, you know, and then you go and yeah. do it again in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, and then because I wanted to ride in races, I was running up the sand gallop hill, you know, forty five degree hill of deep sand. I was doing that every day and going to the gym. I was I was fit. I'm not I can't maintain that now you know I'm, I'm a medic I sit on my backside all day so it's it's quite difficult um I'm getting away with it because of experience you know I've got 15 odd years of experience so even though some of the guys are a lot fitter and a lot stronger than me they're not racing ahead of me because they don't have the experience I I know how to move through a cave carrying heavy stuff whereas they might be a little bit stumbly so I, I'm getting away with it but I can only get away with it for so long <laughs> I'm gonna have to hence my my stepping regime in the garden <laughs> like you know there's yeah. only because they're catching me up you know <laughs> so. yeah. 
But I think when you have got a level of fitness or you have been like peak fitness, it's not as hard to get it back, is it? It's you know what you need to do. To... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem, the problem I've got is when I when I work on the rigs, obviously they don't move. Well, <laughs> normally they don't move. Um, and um, the gyms are fantastic. You can go to the gym as many times as you like during the day because um, I work a floating shift, which is great. Um, but on a vessel, we have weather. Yeah, you can't do much in a gym. I don't know if you've ever been on a treadmill in a Force 8, but it's really, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Things flying about, you know, and it's just like, oh, I can't bear this. And so, you get seasick? No, I don't. I don't get seasick. No. If I sit at my computer for too long in a big swell, I start to feel a bit, mm. bit green. Um, but I'm, I'm never, I'm never seasick. And most, most people on board are, are pretty good. Yeah. You, know, you don't, don't go and work on a DSV for a month if you get seasick. It's not a good time. <laughs> You've got nowhere to go. Get, you got nowhere to go. And it's, it's a bit yeah. weird, though, because I, I don't get seasick. The only time I feel like how you do, if I was to, like, th- read a book, if I read, read a book for a couple of hours, then I'd be... Yeah, if, if I try and read a book in a car with somebody else driving, I'll go a bit green. But that's yeah. just, you know, as soon as I move away from the computer, I'm fine. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So what are you working on at the moment or are you sort of making plans for next year? Oh, I mean, how do you make plans <laughs> at the moment? I mean, really, you know, we're going to have another go at this cave in Croatia that we missed out on this year. So it's basically everything we planned before, mm. you know, do it again and hope we get out there. This time, you know, I've said to the team, look, you know, if we have to quarantine on the way home, then so be it. But just factor that in. That's what we're good, yeah. It yeah. sucks. It really sucks. But I think this is going to be around for longer than we thought. And yeah. But I think the rules seem to change one week to the next, don't they? It's a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's mainly just getting back on that expedition. I'm, I'm a bit restless. I'm not going to settle until until we get a chance to go back because that cave is still going. It's still going. It's ours. And yeah, we've got a fantastic team. You know, I've trained them up myself. Um, you know, I, I do all the organisation, the logistics. I run the whole thing. I, I train them up to how I want them, and so we're all ready to go. We're all pulling it the lead, ready to go, and and then we just couldn't do it. You know, yeah, yeah, it sucks. So that's that's the the big one next year. Um, I'll still be working offshore, so that's a that's a biggie. Um, photography. I'm really enjoying my photography. That's um, great. There's not many people that take photos in UK underwater caves because the visibility is zero. <laughs> It's not not very photogenic, but there are some places that that can be pretty good on a good day, and it's all weather dependent, you know. And, I, and as you can imagine, every time I go offshore, the weather's amazing, and all I see on Facebook, is, <laughs> they come back and it's rubbish. As, as I come home, that big black cloud follows me home from Aberdeen and just just floods everything. So um, what I want to do is take that DSLR setup um, in the nicer nicer caves in the UK that have some viz and take some pictures because there's only a couple of people. Well, yeah, there's literally only a couple of guys that, that have ever done it. Um, and their techniques are kind of a little bit a little bit outdated I and mean, they're using film, you know. Mm. So it'd be nice for a fresh pair of eyes to, to go and do it because nobody else is much, much motivated to take an expensive camera rig into these caves. So, um, yeah, that's what I really want to do. I've got this kind of little project in my head. I want to go around the UK photographs of, of underwater. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, UK diving is going to be at the forefront now because travel is a bit non-existent and will be you know, we know it will be now. It's a long-term thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's plenty going on, but like mm. everything, you know, it's a, it's a team team activity, you know, and if, if you can't hang out with your mates, you know, caving clubs aren't having people staying over. There's a few that will allow a few on a weekend and it's all a bit clunky and you just don't have the freedom. You, you can't just jump in your van and go up to Yorkshire and have a, have a week with your mates. It's not mm. it's that simple, um, yeah. you know, so we're just making the best of, of what we've got. 
you know, I think we've come to the conclusion this year is a write-off, um, you know, because the weather's turning now. Um, you know, the ghost fishing stuff is probably going to wrap up. Um, the viz is going to start going. It's going to start raining. So, yeah, I'm just going to just going to keep working to the end of the year and then start ramping up for next year. I think on the south coast that can be quite good. Um, I remember last year um, where we'd finish on the east coast sort of by about now. Um, I was looking at some of the Facebook groups, the Plymouth Sound guys. Uh, they were diving nearly all through the winter. You know, um, with really good vids coming up the further south you go the better it is um generally yeah. plymouth is okay I and mean, the plankton bloom's gone which which makes a big difference mm-hmm. um you know in cornwall as well you know that's all doable but again you've got to stay overnight for me yeah. you know you've got to stay overnight now i didn't realize when i bought it but when i bought my huge van um and wanted to turn it into a, an overnighter well not it's kind of a combi you know you can either fill it, fill it full of dive kit and stay in a hotel or i can fill it partly full of dive kit and sleep in it um yeah i mean i bought that in january COVID didn't even cross my mind. I just wanted a van that I needed a new car and I, I wanted a van that I could sleep in. Thank God I bought it because I spent most of the year, <laughs> whenever I go anywhere, that's the only place I could I could stay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, otherwise you, you, you pay. Do you convert it? Um, it's, it's partial. So it, it's a space tourer. So it's like a, a big minibus, if you like. Um, yeah. But I, it's got a rock and roll bed, but I can take that out. So I can either fill it full of dive kit to the roof or I can the bed in and sleep in it and take it hiking or or whatever yeah. that's great that's getting a growing thing it's quite a few people seem to be doing loads that. of people i know are getting getting vans and and everything and it really is the way forward but this one this one is classed as a car technically um really? it fits in yeah it fits into parking spaces it goes under barriers um and it's not classed as a commercial vehicle so it's great it's the biggest thing you can get that what is that then it's a space tour mm. okay guy at citroen persuaded me to buy it and i drove home with this thing i thought i've been done i've been done this is not at all what i wanted but actually now i've got it he was absolutely on the money absolutely really? yeah i took so all the and um, a space tour yeah citroen space tour i had a citroen bilingo for 10 years and it wouldn't die <laughs> <laughs> in the end my other half was like will you please get rid of that thing and i was like well i don't know what to get um, I wanted a dispatch. I wanted a Citroen dispatch van to convert it into a into a living diving van. Um, they're like hen's teeth, the long wheelbases. I was really struggling to get one that I wanted. And the guy was like, Look, "What do you want to do with this thing?" And I said, "Oh, I want to put dive kit in it. I want to put rock and roll in. I want to be able to just move things around as and when, depending on what I'm doing at the time." You know. So he showed me this this space tour. I said, "Dude, it's got nine seats." He's like, "Ah, but they come out." So took all the seats out, put some put some rubber matting down, which which is great. And I've done it in a way that basically when it's full of mud or just caving crud or or just stuff like that, I literally just open all the doors, hose it out, jobs are good, start again. Um, yeah, so I love it. And it drives beautifully, because it's a car, it drives beautifully up the front. Really nice drive. So oh, that's uh, good to hear. Yeah, so I'm looking at a new set of wheels. <laughs> I've been living in it most of the summer. <laughs> that might be something I look in, into next year. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that'd be good. So we haven't got to the end of the chat with Christine. We'll be back shortly. But I just wanted to mention about other ways you can support the Big Scuba podcast. We both enjoy adventures under and on the water. And some of these you can now view on our YouTube channel called The Big Scuba. The links are in the podcast show notes, which you'll see below.
have a look and view the videos and subscribe and ring the bell and then you'll get notifications of all the new videos uh, that we're bringing out and there'll be quite a few hopefully in the next month while we are on lockdown so don't forget to check out our social media pages we are on facebook instagram and twitter and then you can keep up to date with our podcast uh, releases and our big adventures right back to christine yeah, can I just ask what the picture behind you, or the, you've got your screen behind you, what it is? Wow. So that is a cave called Forum, which is in Yorkshire. And mm. it was discovered in the 70s, I think, 70s and 80s. And you have to dive five sumps to get there, which is quite, quite a lot of crawling, quite a lot of, you know, not so much climbing, but quite a lot of crawling. Mm. So you kind of do a dive, crawl with all you get kit, do another dive, crawl again. You know, it's a pain in the backside, especially with a camera bag. Which the line. What's the lines? They're straws. Are they? They're called straws. They're basically the, the diameter of a water droplet. So they're, they're called straws. I'm going to give you my geology lesson in a minute if you're not careful. <laughs> so, Are they quite so, delicate? Um, very, very delicate. So um, this particular one here is called the China Shop. You can see why. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so basically what happened was that the guys who discovered it, they were going there every weekend, as you can imagine. There was lots of cave to find in there. So the whole thing was shut for 20 years. Um, which was obviously preserved the cave. Um, and about a while ago now, about seven or eight years ago, I think, or 2012, I took that picture and it had just been opened up again. Yes. And we do do a little bit of science, but mainly it's for photos. And cave exploration is still ongoing. Um, some guys up North carried on pushing it. Um, yeah, really, really beautiful cave. But there's a very, very tight, uh, it's in Sump 2, um, the very, very start of Sump 2. You go underwater, it's barely a metre deep, but you're underwater and um, very, very tight squeeze very tight i mean i took two attempts to get through it um and the only reason i got through it because i'm quite boobs haven't i so i've got a big chest i'm quite broad um is the guy that had been through it um the month before was bigger than me so he he gouged it out <laughs> <laughs> and so i was like right, if he got through i'll get through so I, but it took me two attempts and it, it is tight you, you just kind of breathe out push and then once you're through breathe back in again it's really tight when I'm you say it's sure I'd get through there now, seriously, I'm I'm bigger than I was then, and I don't think I'd get through there again. But but we talk when you say it's tight. Are we talking like uh, a rock that's like a meter wide, and that's the gap you've got to get through? Or are we talking like no? It's it's so this, this is um, a bedding plane, so it's basically two layers of rock like this. So right. one above your head, a big sort of flat sloping layer of rock, and then you've got the floor. So it's the height between the floor and the roof. So you're flat out on your belly, heels in the roof, just pushing through this thing you know but yeah. how long would you say you're doing that um as long as it takes you to get through. <laughs> you get stuck <laughs> yes. mm. depends how long you <laughs> yeah no, i mean it's only about i think the very very tight bit is only about a meter long i don't think it's more than a meter i remember one big push on my heels and i was through um but the problem I... is it's zero, it's zero visibility once one person's gone through in front of you that's it it's gone to, to chocolate milkshakes you've got to feel for the biggest bit yeah. what you think is the biggest bit and then, and then i passed um training for uh suffolk fire a couple couple of years ago and part of the training for uh to be a fire officer you have to do uh go through a um a building which has been set up to test you to how you know you've got the full kit on helmet yeah. you can't see a thing it's all done by feel yeah and i, I remember offshore training we had to do that yeah yeah, and you, you're only going through this tiny, tight sp space, which is barely big enough to get your body through. And I'm not the, uh, the smallest person either. 
and and I can remember thinking, wow, you know, because you could easily get stuck. Yeah, but I mean, the good thing you. about me is the good thing about me is my top half is bigger than my bottom half. So if, if I can't get if the front end can't get through, I can't, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure I'd fit through there anymore. I'd have to dig it out for sure. I mean, you, you can get a little shovel and. Just, but it's know, the whole out. ceiling full of all them uh, those pipes, those straws. It's the whole it's ceiling. Shop, yeah, um, I'll try and find you. A, oh, I've got another. That's just amazing. Photos. I'll send you some photos of it. Yeah, that'd be great if you could. Yeah, the funny thing about that was I had this this camera in a in a dry tube in a bag that I was taking with me as well. So obviously you've got to go there with a camera. I mean, you know. So and I, and I was taking it with me and I was getting this squeeze and I thought, well, I I need my hands because I need to make sure my helmet doesn't doesn't get jammed. So I thought I'll just I'll push the camera bag in front of me because that just went through the the thing. I thought if I don't get through this, I've lost my camera. Else is going to get it, like you know. Oh no, I've got to go and get my camera. Like, hurry up, get through this. Yeah, yeah. And how deep below, uh, below the ground is? Would you say? Um, it's a fairly horizontal system, so in terms of depth, it's not not that deep. I don't know. I'm no no. meters. We don't really think about how deep we are in terms of down depth. We think yeah. distance. How long it is? <coughs> oh God, uh, over a kilometer. Wow. Wow. Over a kilometer. I've got a survey somewhere that tells you what it is in feet. It is unhelpful. Discovered in the seventies, but um. Yeah, it's over a kilometre. But the worst bit is um, to get to that. So that lake there is not at water level. It's, it's a perch sump. It's about 20 metres up from the streamway, mm-hmm. um, which is why they're interested in the science and everything like that. And um, so to get to it, you've got to do this climb. And it's it's a greasy, slightly overhanging climb. <laughs> it's horrendous. I looked at it, I was like, well, it looks all right from here. But when you get on it, you're like, oh, I don't like this. And of course... We were one of the first teams back there after 20 years. And um, there were a couple of ropes hanging down from the top, but I don't know how long they've been there. You don't know what, what vintage they are, how safe they are. And, and one guy, my mate David, got up in front of me, you know, and he's like, oh, it's all right, it's all right. You know, the ropes look okay. I was like, okay, fine. And I got three quarters of the way up this, where it just starts to get a bit slippy, a bit overhanging. And I run out of footholds. And I'm like, God, you know, I said, and, and I was faced with this sort of old horse sort of rope here, a bit of a climbing rope and a bit of tat. And I said to him, which rope should I get hold of? He went, all three. <laughs> oh, God. Did <laughs> you have a safety rope on then? With- no, well, we didn't. I mean, until they, until we'd gone back and done another trip and installed. And got secure. Not- rope and got it secured. You were, you were yeah. relying on this old. So now what we do is we just take a little, um, little grigri or something, just tie it onto the rope. But the problem is it's slightly overhanging, so it doesn't really help you. It'll stop you hitting the floor, but it doesn't, doesn't help you with the climb. But a guy in the 70s did fall off that. He fell off from the top and he smashed his jaw. Oh, and then he had to dive out. He broke his leg and he broke his jaw. That couldn't have been an easy one to get out of. It wasn't. They were like, well, dude, you're just going to have to get yourself out. We'll help you in between sumps. But yeah. yeah, they didn't want a rescue because of the farmer. So they were just like, get yourself out, dude. Yeah. Amazing. It's pretty hardcore. Basically. Yeah. It's hardcore. You hold a regulator in your mouth with a broken jaw. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's boring cave. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I think what we'll do, we'll move on to the set questions that we ask of all our guests, if that's okay. Are you okay for time? We're sort of nearly at the end. Yeah, I have nothing going on in my life at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a rock and roll Monday night. Rock and roll yeah. Monday night, yeah. yeah. It's for us too. <laughs> I'm learning to manage my time. I'm learning to, to not not cram everything into one day like I normally do and then guess what I don't get so tired but yeah (laughs)
How does your work schedule work? Are you a month on, month off? Oh, I'd like to think so. Um, it's supposed to be, but <laughs> yeah. oh, can you just stay out to the end of the project? When's that? Another three weeks, righto? Yeah. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. Well, in these times, it's it's not such a bad thing, is it? Because yeah, no, I can't afford to turn turn down work. No, that um, the most of it. Times, you know, and the company love you for staying. Good deal. Right, yeah. let's start with our set questions. You're going to kick it off. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what dive location is on your wish list or bucket list, and why? Oh, tough one. Um, the one I have been sort of sniffing around is Indonesia. Yeah. I want to go to Indonesia. Take pictures of critters. It's a long way, though. Um, yeah, some, somewhere in Asia. I've never been to Asia. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite keen on that. Either the Philippines or, or Indonesia um, for, some, for some photography. That's, that's great, you know. Um, Sardinia. Nice warm waters as well. Yeah, Sardinian caves I'd like to go to. Um, you notice I'm picking all the expensive places. <laughs> <laughs> Sardinian caves there's, there's a few caves um on my bucket list I think one that I have never been able to get into and it, it's not quite on my doorstep six hour drive away um there's a cave called Kelhead very very famous up in Yorkshire um the longest cave diving through dive was done there um a few decades ago um very very weather dependent you know mm-hmm. it comes good maybe twice a year and it's always the twice a year when I'm not here and I, I've never managed to be up there when that thing is diveable um so I'm, I'm quite hell-bent on doing that before i die would be nice um just wanna <laughs> sometime in my lifetime it'd be really nice to go and dive cow just because of it's not a particularly amazing dive it's just it's very significant historically significant yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah i'd really love to go and do that and access is somewhat less fraught these days than it's to be so um yeah i'd really like to go and do that Mm. Yeah, that's good to hear. We haven't heard of that one before. No. Um, have you got a favourite marine animal and why? Oh, turtles. Come on. Everyone's <laughs> when they see a turtle, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not many in the UK. Um, turtles, I love, love them all. Um, I like pipefish. Really all right, yeah. Pipefish. Yeah, a mate of mine put up some photos the other day of a cuttlefish eating a pipefish. And I was like... Oh. Oh my word, that poor thing. And he was eating it like a piece of spaghetti, bit at a time. I thought, oh, that poor pipe fish. <laughs> that poor thing. So yeah, I really like them, mainly because I can never spot them. Somebody else has to tell me, you know, they're, they're very well camouflaged, aren't they? Bottles are cool. So yeah, all the usual, all the usual suspects, really. Yeah, um, no, that's good. Yeah. And uh, if you could take up to three people uh, diving, maybe a cave dive, um, who would you take and why? And that can be anyone from history or it could be a member of the family or anybody. Oh, well, I'd be in trouble if I don't say my other half, but I, I dive with him a lot anyway, so, so let's not count him. Um, who would I like to dive? Um, I think I, I enjoy diving with Rick Stanton. Every time, um, he, he's the guy who sort of found the guys in, in Thailand. Yeah. I've done a couple of dives with him um and it's always good fun always really good fun he's a brilliant i mean goes without saying but he is a brilliant diver even in the water he, he, he's, he's really good fun um i've not dived with jared jablonski um he's been around but I've never actually managed to get in the water so he's um basically um heads up global underwater explorers GUE. um a lot of major discoveries in florida sort of in the 90s so yeah jared would be good i'll tell you what a dive with jared and rick would be awesome that that would be really good um awesome. yeah um I think one of our sap divers just for a good laugh because they are just funniest funniest people you could ever meet um and yeah (laughs) any of them any of of our sap divers on a jolly yeah that would just be hysterical I think so yeah I think 
maybe, maybe one of our one of our sack guys because the way they dive is just so different. Um, um, yeah, fair. Yeah, if, if they're not, you know, recreational divers, it's just like incredible. Yeah. Know, it would be hilarious. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've most of the people that I'd want to dive with, I have I have dived with. Mm. Um, you know, I've dived with some phenomenal people. I'm very very lucky. Um, Frank Vasser, who you haven't heard of. <laughs> Frank Vassar is probably one of the most prolific um, cave diving explorers, certainly in Europe. Um, he's been at it for God knows 20, 30 years. The number of caves he's explored and done is, is second to none. Very understated, um, but extremely hardcore. Every time we try and push a cave where he, when he was the last person there, it's turned into an epic because right. it's so phenomenal. And, and every time we, we will look at a survey and go, oh, yeah, we're going to have a look at this one. We think this one's a goer. And then we'll go, oh, no, Frank's been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> sometimes it pays off and sometimes it really bites us. You know, it's like, oh, you know, not as you don't message him first and go, think about doing that. What do you think? I, do. I mean, I did, especially with this one in, in Croatia. You know, I, I recognised the line, oddly. Um, I wasn't sure. Um, I didn't know the cave was still ongoing, so we didn't really do our homework on it. Very little information sucks, so I can't really go find it. And um, we saw these like orange tags on this this line. I thought I've seen those before, and I knew Frank had been active in the region, you know, several decades earlier. So I phoned him up, and I, I said, "Frank, you, did you dive this cave? You're, yeah, you know, 20 years ago, and and, and then we lost access. Uh-huh. Well, we're we're there now." So what's it like? He said, it's, it's still ongoing. Seriously. He's like, yeah. So do you mind if we, if we go and push it? He's like, fill your boots. I'm not going back. Um, so yeah, he, he's incredible. I don't think I've dived with him. I don't think I've dived with him. And, and that would, that would be great. It would hurt a lot. I, I think I'd probably <laughs> ache a lot the next day because <laughs> he's, he's phenomenal. But um, yeah, uh, um, that would be great. Yeah. So, so the greats really. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great answers. Um, What's your favourite piece of dive equipment or kit and why? That's actually quite easy. Um, it's my um, caving lamp, mm-hmm. which has been to 80 metres and survived. I, I, oh. I, it's not designed for dive, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Every, it's 100% dependable. It has never let me down. It has never gone out. Even when I flooded it, it kept working. We just dried oh. it out and carried on working. Um, it's called a Rude Nora. And it's made by a guy, a uh, caver, not a diver, a caver down in um, Cheddar near me. And okay. um, the switch on the back was just starting to go. And I, I'd already bought a brand new one, which is slightly different. And I, I sent it back to him and said, oh, can you just fix it? He's like, why are you still, that thing's 10 years old. Why are you still using it? <laughs> I really love it. It never lets me down. Um, yeah, that's my go-to. What's it called? That light or that, I, I'd be devastated. Um, what was it called again? It's called a Rude Nora. A Rude, Rude Nora. Nora. Yeah, just a okay. just a, it's a caving light, but he made it so that it wouldn't wouldn't flood if you took it underwater. I've taken it everywhere. <laughs> and it's not even a diving kit, you know. It's it's just a this it's just been everywhere. It go you just don't have to worry about it. You just turn it on. You go go on your dive, go caving, go on your dive, go caving, and it's so brilliant. I love it. Um, but yeah, otherwise I don't particularly love my dive kit because it's it's there to serve a purpose, really. I think a bit like a uniform, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't particularly love my rebreather because it's, it's caused me no end of aggro. <laughs> you know, since I got that blimmin' thing. I do love my scooter. I love my scooter. That is actually, yeah, I forgot I had a scooter. I've got an XK1. Mm-hmm. XK1. And um, I love that thing. It means I don't have to swim. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore that scooter. Yeah, but that's that's my baby. That's done, it? Awesome. And... Um, post post dive meal what what is it what would it be 
pizza and beer. Good choice. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Not curry. Covered there. Yeah. You like a good ruby? Yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah. It's just it's just quite often when we're on expedition, you can't get one. No. You know, France and Croatia. You know, you you get fed what what's going. But yeah, I think the best meal we've ever had. Um, well, there's been lots of good meals after a day underground, but we did a, a quite a deep dive in a, in a cave in France, like seventy odd meters or something. Um, but the, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that to get to the to get to the sump pool where the, where the dive started was was a hundred meters from the car, which isn't very far, but it was vertical, <laughs> and um, you know all, you know just slightly off vertical. Sometimes you need to put a bit of a rope on it. Very very steep path in the height of the French summer. So there's flies everywhere. It was like 35 degrees, and we're humping all this kit up and down this hill. I mean, it was horrendous. Went in, did a dive for like I don't know, two or three hours, and then we've got to carry it all back up the hill again. And it was, you know, that was a PFO test sorted, you know, because we just carried all this stuff back up the hill. And um, go back to the car, and it was getting dark. It was like oh, we've got to get this stuff out and in the middle of this forest, in the middle of nowhere. Got in the car. And it's Monday night. And I don't know if you know France very well, but they don't feed you on a Monday. Restaurants don't open on a Monday. So we're like, oh, there's no food back on the campsite and we can't find anywhere and everything's going to be shut by the time we get out. We were starving. And then we, we went along this road and we just saw this little guy in a little van on the side of the road. The lights were on. It says pizza. Come on, <laughs> our only hope. So we pulled up this guy and he did he made us these two massive pizzas just on the side of the road and gave us some cold beer and that was the best oh, wow. I've ever had. and he put a little table and chairs for us as well in this lay-by it was brilliant <laughs> so yeah 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 they're the sort of meals you remember aren't they yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay and the final question if you could put something on a billboard a statement something non-commercial be an image Anything, just to get a message to the people of the world, what would you put on the billboard? Not allowed to swear on that. Well, we can beep it out. (laughs) Stop throwing your crap in the sea. (laughs) It's very simple, isn't it? It's very simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes more and more, yeah, evident. I think you know the awareness of what we're doing to the planet. Do you ever see any evidence in your? cave expeditions of outside waste in the cave depends where you are um sometimes stuff will get washed in um quite often it's farm waste i mean caves tend to be in the middle of nowhere anyway so they're not that well populated you know they're not on the side of the road public mm-hmm. you know um but yeah some things get washed in you get a little bit of pollution the, the biggest changes you see are actually um climate change you know we're noticing really? that well, we're noticing that you know there's more rain mm there's more rain it's wetter you know which means that you can go caving you know in the wet caves that are very weather dependent you know you don't want to be in there when they're you know you're finding that there's less opportunity i'm certainly finding that that there's less opportunity to to go and do certain caves than there used to be you know i could pretty much guarantee if i went up to yorkshire sort of may june july august or whatever i'd get in the caves i want to get in now no, not so much. You can go up there and be completely washed out for weeks on end. Over how long a window are you talking? Sort of 10 years? Well, I, mean, 10 feet? I started caving, which is, you know, 20 odd years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's far more fickle. I don't, I don't just run up to Yorkshire and have a really good... Uh, I, I pick on Yorkshire because the caves there are very, very weather dependent. Very weather dependent. Yeah. They flood to the roof very quickly. Um, so you do, need, you do need reliable bone dry weather. And I, I just find that, you know, I can't... I didn't even used to really look at the weather. It's like, it was a bone dry week. It's going to stay like this all week. We'll just go caving. Now you really, 
you really do watch it and, and you notice, you definitely notice things are just generally warmer and wetter. You know, we're not having proper frosts anymore. That was another thing, no. you know, go up to Yorkshire when there was snow on the ground and there was frost, so all the water would be locked up in the ground. You have low water levels and it would stay like that for a week. Now, not so much, not yes. so much. Well, we can say we've seen, you know, we don't get like the massive snowfalls that we used to have yeah. like, when we were at primary yeah. school and things. It's just, yeah, and like the fog, we don't seem to have like big fog slightly easier as well which maybe is a good thing but no, certainly no, you're right yeah so i remember being you know when i lived at home and driving through really thick fog to get somewhere but you just i can't remember the last time it was like that and i live on the coast and it's just uh, it doesn't yeah. stop people driving in norfolk with their fog lamps on though <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, it's, yeah, it's very um, noticeable change in such you know short space of time. But yeah, there were some great questions and great answers. Thank you, I enjoyed that. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. For people who would want to, who would like to follow you, um, where do they need to go to to um, you know on social media to you know follow your journey and see what you're up to and things like that. Yeah, well, I, I keep um, I just, I keep a diary, but I basically I write a blog um, yeah. on my website. Um, so it's wetwellies caving, wetwelliescaving.com, or just or just Google me and, and you, you'll find it. Um, my surname's quite quite dis- you know distinguishable. Yeah. So um, yeah, and I just put a blog up there, and there's different kind of sections of the blog. So it depends on what you're interested in. Like if you're interested in caving, cave diving, there's that side. If if you're interested in um, ocean plastics and the ghost fishing stuff there's that side so you can kind of pick on the different ones you want but i kind of keep it as a bit of a diary for myself yeah. um but other people seem to like reading it and i and so i said okay well i'll just put it up there so you can just go into that really and um yeah and also if you just look up my surname on um, vimeo um there's a really nice film that i made a couple of years ago about and the cave exploration which is a really nice film and um, we wanted to record everything so so that's on there as well which that's is on vimeo yeah, it's on Vimeo. Yeah, just look for Steve Grossart on Vimeo. And it, it, how are you enjoying your diving? Yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. so um, well, I forgot how many dives now. Came to Stony Cove, done a. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, even worse, I did my qualification in Gildenberg. I, learned to, I did my Paddy Oak Water in Gildenberg. Yeah, the visibility was like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. When I did it, it was 15 metres. No, really. Fifteen meters. It was the middle of yeah, but it was the middle of winter. There was snow on the ground, and the water was four degrees. Yeah, done that one. <laughs> yeah, I've and done there was that a pipe. One. There was a pike in there, great big pike. In the bus. Yes. Is he still there? It's still there. Still there. I've done a night dive there where he comes yeah. out at you and looms and just hangs there. And yeah. You, yeah. Everyone says just... you don't go in the bus. The pike's in there. Yeah. 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 He was in the back of the back window of the bus. Yep. When when Gemma done her uh, open water, we uh, we went over to the bus, right, and you literally all you could see <laughs> was like this little piece of the bus uh, where your mask was. That's it. You couldn't see the bus. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't, we could, couldn't oh, even I see Gemma. She was next to us. I had great vision. There's a plane. Well, yeah, there is a small plane. Yeah. I was only 24, so I can't. Yeah. There's a small plane. I remember looking at that and swimming around that. I think that's in the middle somewhere. Yeah, but what I really liked about it, I don't know if they still got it, but they had lines connecting. So, so for me, and poles. For me, it was like a cave line. He's like, just follow it like you would a cave line. And I, so I was totally at home. It was great. Yeah. But yeah, I did I did my paddy and water in a dry suit. So I did my dry suit again because I, I engineered it so that, because Phil Short was in my caving club. All right. Yeah. Since I was in my early 20s, you know, um, as a caver. 
And I said to him, look, I want to learn to scuba. I should probably get a qualification, you know. I should probably go and get a piece of plastic. It look, you can't buy gas if you haven't got a piece of plastic. <laughs> so, um, so he was like, well, I, I don't teach open water anymore. I was like, oh, don't you? He said, no, but I've got a mate who does. And I'll make sure that he lines you up for, for cave diving. So it was like, right, we well, need a dry suit. Got a secondhand dry suit um, that leaked like a sieve. Um, get your nitrox while you're at it. You might as well do your course on nitrox. You know, why not? It's just gas. And um, and do your own do your own water. So I did it all in in four days up at Gildy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so it was good. I don't regret that at all. It it was it got me going. It got me got me moving because as soon as yeah. I did that, straight into side mount, straight off doing doing cave dives. You know, starting my cave diving training. Yeah, yeah. We know Phil has been on. Yeah. Certainly an interesting journey. Yeah, sort of, and the people that you meet along the way as well. Even doing the podcast, yeah. I've spoken to all these amazing people before I'd even qualified, and I just think, wow. Well, oh, no, it's going to be one day you're going to look back and go, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that was? <laughs> Not me, obviously, but you know, some of the others. Yeah, you've had some pretty cool people on. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll hopefully, really yeah, hopefully get a bit more diving done before yeah the real cold weather starts, and then. But keep it going, though, won't you? Just, you know, even even if we ever get out of this. Oh gosh, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Keep it going. You know, yeah. nobody's doing this kind of stuff. So yeah. well, they weren't. We um, we dived at St Abs in September, and you really enjoyed that one as well, yeah. didn't you? That was oh, amazing. I love St Abs. It's yeah. beautiful. I never yeah. knew there was stuff like that in the UK. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big, was it big green car, and then you've got Cathedral Rock and all Cathedral that. Cathedral Rock, yeah. Stunning. Yeah, I was just in awe of it because it yeah. looked like you were going in a cave, and I thought, no, I can't go in a cave. Yeah. No, but it was just absolutely beautiful. That's one of the best British sea dives I've ever done. Actually, it just blew my mind because you you go out of that little harbour thing, and you think, well, there's nothing here. It's just weed. You know, again, you know, you just look at it, and you say, weed. This is crap. And then Rocks. I was like, hang on a minute, and you go around the corner, and it was just so colourful, so beautiful. Uh, um, yeah, it was. You know, we saw such amazing life down there, and it's just. What about the cod? Yeah, massive cod under this rock. And, you know, for me to see something, you know, alive. That's big, yeah. Did you see, did you get harassed by a ras? Because they're very territorial. and they tend they're, to Yeah, there is some. Coming around, the red ones, the big red ones. Yeah, yeah I did see some, um, some big old ras who were sort of going around. I wouldn't say they harassed us, though, but they, they, were, they were about, we could see yeah. them. If you, they've got the little territory, and if you're in it, they'll just, they'll just, sort of see you off you know <laughs> i keep bothering you until you leave you know really? yeah. Yeah. yeah one one followed me for quite a way to make sure i was going <laughs> so yeah they get quite yeah no yeah. it's absolutely beautiful and the farns if you get a chance to go to the farns august yeah, september really. with the seals yeah, yeah ian's been i haven't actually dived there yet yeah. That's absolutely but you need visibility because what i find is that when the visit goes poor the seals don't want to play with you they, they can't see you they're, they're not sure what you are they'll you can see shadows but they're not there as soon as the viz comes good that's it they're all over your fins you know they're playing with you and stuff like that so yeah the skipper at st abs was telling us that um there's five seals rough just out of the harbor which kind of live there mm-hmm. and they were saying if you go to one dive site these seals will be really really playful and they'll come play with your fins and all these sort of things but he was saying that when you go to a, a dive site, which is just around the corner from there, and those seals, the same seals are there, they're really quite territorial and a bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah mm. that's probably their breeding ground. behaviour's different. That's, that's their breeding ground. Um, yeah, we had a bit of an incident on a ghost fishing trip where um, we were doing some trainings. Um, we were running a training course up there and we were just using a, a live set of creels for survey. 
weren't picking them up. We were just um, surveying them. We were quite close to this big rock that was covered in seals. <clears throat> and we jumped in the water, a team of three. We jumped in the water. And as soon as one guy jumped in, he screamed because he'd left his zips. His zip open on his dry suit. I've done that. <laughs> so he's trying, to climb, he's trying to climb on top of this boy, you know. I was like, I'll oh, just get out. So we, we waved at the boat and said, come and get this idiot. You know, we'll carry on without him. Um, but while he, while the boat was picking him up, so obviously we were going to wait until it was all done before we went down. While the boat was picking him up, Jason was facing me. And Jason's scared of seals. I don't know why, but he's scared of seals. And I heard this almighty roar. I mean, a really loud roar. And I just looked behind him and this enormous bull seal just slid into the water. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and he had all his girls are up on the thing. I was like, and of course, me being me, I didn't, I didn't really think about Jason. I just said, fucking hell, Jason, you want to see what's behind you? It's massive. He's like, what? And I was like, oh, shit, you're scared of seals, aren't you? I was like, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. <laughs> it was huge because we just got a bit too close where they dropped us just a bit too close to the rocks. We were still... I don't know, 30, 40 metres off them. But as far as they were concerned, that was their time yeah. we were in yeah. it. Um, and he just slid into the water to come and make sure we weren't weren't harassing his women, basically. Yeah, but he was big. I mean, if they want to go for you, they'll hurt you. Yeah, they've got big teeth, haven't they? We never saw him, but we saw one of the females swimming around. Mm. Um, yeah, so we were just a bit close. I think next time we, we won't go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Like no, it was good fun. Also, nice to meet you. Yeah, Thank you very much. <laughs> Have a good evening. Yes, yeah, it's been fun. Thank you very Thank much you for your time. time. Thank you very Thank much. You Bye. Okay. Bye, Christine. Thank you very much. Welcome back, everybody. So, uh, Jen, what, what do you think to that? Yeah, amazing. Enjoy that? Mm? Enjoy that? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, quite entertaining. And yeah, seeing the amazing pictures of the Borum Cave was. Yeah. Was, yeah, brilliant. And so, you know, it's done some amazing uh, dives and world, uh, world uh, record breaker too. So, uh, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great to hear about her adventures. And yeah, she's just a very um, grounded kind of person. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, really good. So, uh, thank you very much, Christine, for, you know, joining us on the big scuba uh, and telling us all about your diving and, uh, you know, uh, life experiences. Mm. Uh, that was that's really good so uh, you know if you haven't listened to if you jumped into this part and you've missed part one then dial back and uh, <laughs> that first ep- that first episode so uh, yeah so that was really good so thank you very much Jim coming up on next on the big scuba we have a mank and a yank we do we have mank and a yank. their words <laughs> not mine um, from South Africa. Yeah, from a research um, and diver development centre called Cape Wrath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike is a marine biologist and conservationist and Paddy master scuba diver. Apparently he's got a thing for watching animal behave, how they behave. <laughs> yes. So uh, look forward to that one. And Dylan. So Dylan's a marine oh. scientist and he works uh, on the Save Our Seas Foundation. Well. He, he does, yeah. So uh, and he's all he's got a thing for white sharks. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they're actually um, based in the well, South Africa in the False Hope Bay, which yeah, is right, right at the bottom. Yeah, right at the bottom. And they've got quite a diverse um, one side 
obviously gets the warm waters and the other side can be quite um, chilly. So yeah, it is. Yeah. Like that, so, yeah. yeah, and um, so that's good. That's a good chat and uh, really informative. And we've actually got listeners out in South Africa, and um, we actually had it's really weird because we had a couple of people write in, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, right yeah. For that episode, and uh, and then we got in contact with these, didn't we? So we did. It worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. Right, just if, if you're listening to them on the continent, you know uh, that's what's coming up in your neck of the woods. Yeah, and we, you know we've heard from quite a few people recently, uh, just writing in or giving us some feedback on our uh, podcasts and our YouTube channels. So keep keep the messages coming through. It's good to hear from you. So talking about that, Jen, actually uh, we have got a couple of people. I'm just going to just qu- very quickly mention uh, because these uh, give some comments this week and go say hello to Diver Jimmy. Thank you very much, and all the way out there in Texas. Lee and Clark. So there we are. There's two more listeners. For yep, really. yep. So we said we'd give them a shout out. So that it's we been did. really good to hear looks back. That must, that's put us up to four listeners. <laughs> four downloads. <laughs> so we always appreciate your comments. And if possible, we will try and give you a shout out where we can. And uh, you can also take part and ask questions by becoming a dolphin, a big scuba octopus, you know, look on the Patreon website, <laughs> there we go, and you can become a long-time friend of the podcast. Yeah, and you get all the little benefits like shout-outs on the show and, yeah, just a bit more of behind-the-scenes information from us. Absolutely. But, you know, um, if you've got any questions or feedback, you know, do uh, please do... do uh, Feedback. <laughs> yeah, feedback. Feedback on the show, feedback on the YouTube channels. If you've got any ideas of guests, uh, we are pretty uh, chocker. We usually put them guests sort of like a month or so ahead. But, you know, if you have got any ideas, we're always uh, pleased to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few people have done that already and uh, we'll be in contact with those. But apart from that, I think that's kind of me done, Jen. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be kept busy behind the scenes over the next week and yeah episode 41 will be out soon yeah so Kate Brad look out for the guys coming up on that and uh, they should be out next week right that's it for me Jen right. see you soon yeah see you soon <laughs> bye everyone